0: Welcome back to This One's a Doozy. I'm Kevin. And I'm Haley. And we talk about stories of mystery, true crime, and folklore of the unusual, unsettling, and oftentimes unsavory goings-on of our world today, yesterday, and long ago. Still true. And we are back. Thursday. It's actually already Thursday. We're recording this late into the evening.
1: Yes. Very, (laughs) very late.
0: Late late into the morning. Into the night of... I don't know how actually to say late into the morning without it seeming like it's like 11 a.m.
1: Right. <laughs> I get it. I know what you mean.
0: Whatever that means. Yeah. Everybody knows. It's after midnight. It's late. But we're doing this because we love you.
1: Yes, that's true.
0: <laughs> so we need to always ask the most important question of the night. My love, what are you drinking over there?
1: Allow me to disappoint everybody <laughs> when I inform you that I'm just drinking water.
0: Just water. It's parched. Hydrate or dihydrate?
1: Hydrate or dihydrate, guys. What about you?
0: I get it. it. Well, uh, I I don't know what came over me the other day, but I was at the grocery store Mm -hmm. and I looked over and I saw in these little containers for $2.30 eggnog. I'm still in shock that you bought
1: (laughs) bottled eggnog and that you're drinking it in March. But you know what? There's no rules. There's no
0: rules. Yeah.
1: You can enjoy eggnog whenever you want. I imagine that the warmer it gets, the less refreshing an eggnog would be.
0: Yes, I would imagine so. Just drinking
1: some cold egg. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, some creamy egg.
0: Yeah, so I got some eggnog and I threw a little bit of whiskey in there just
1: to spice it up. Yeah.
0: Make it feel a little bit less of just a random thing I'm doing and something that still makes a little bit of sense.
1: (laughs) Totally. Well, I get it.
0: Yeah. Well... You got a feel-good fact for us tonight?
1: Of course, I do. All right. Okay. So there's a job at the Giant Panda Protection and Research Center, dedicated to cuddling the baby pandas. <laughs> so whoever gets this job gets a paid annual salary, food, living, and transportation costs are covered. And overall, it sounds like it might be the perfect job for like a lot of people.
0: Wow. Their yeah.
1: whole job is cuddling the baby cuddling pandas. Cuddling
0: baby pandas. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Is there any Potential of them getting ripped apart by baby pandas. I don't. I don't know at what no, point they're, pandas they're, become dangerous.
1: They start out very small. I'm not sure what the window is for, like what time frame in the baby panda's development that they're being cuddled. Mm-hmm. But I've seen pictures, and they're like, like uh, German Shepherd, Husky puppy size. <laughs> okay.
0: Yes. Puppies. Very easy to cuddle and hold, and yes, are generally docile. It sounds like it
1: seems like it from the pictures. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's amazing.
1: Yeah, I thought that was cute.
0: That's very cute. Well, you got a story for us this week.
1: Yes, but before we get into that, I have a little announcement. Yes. So over on Patreon, our supporters voted on the recipient for March giving, and for the month of March, we're giving to Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women USA. So here's a little bit about the organization. Thank you for considering helping our efforts. We are fighting for these women because we want the perpetrators to know that the families will fight back to get their daughters and loved ones back. We are also amplifying their voices to create awareness so that lawmakers and law enforcement can no longer neglect this issue. Lastly, we are also working with young women through our Staying Sacred program to give them the tools to prevent these tragedies. Your donations are crucial for this effort. So- Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women USA seeks to support the families of missing and murdered indigenous women from around the United States. Mm. Cases of missing and murdered indigenous women and people are disproportionately undercovered in the media and underinvestigated at large. And seeing that change as quickly as humanly possible is something that we have recently especially grown a passion for, and we want to support that mission. And mm-hmm. so if you're interested in also giving to the organization, we will be sharing a link in our show notes. Awesome. And then one last little thing before we we begin. Today's story features distressing content and some language Mm. in the direct quotes that will pop up throughout the story. So just be aware, especially if you're listening with uh, kids around, that those things are part of today's story. And I tried to really be selective with the quotes that I chose to use because like, Almost all of the ones that I had to pick from yeah. were just riddled with lots and lots of <laughs> language that yeah, we don't typically yeah. use on the show.
0: Yes, <laughs> so, fair.
1: this is your warning. Okay. Okay, so we're covering a true crime story today, and it's been a minute since we've done kind of like a hometown, home state episode. So that's what we're doing today. Hmm. So, in the evening hours of December 5th, 2015, a woman named Liz Gollier was walking at the trail at Big Lake Park in Council Bluffs, Iowa. Liz had had a rough few months and was excited to go for a walk and clear her head. As she marched along the trail, suddenly she was met by a voice that asked her one simple question before firing several gunshots at her with a 9mm pistol, oh striking gosh. her in the thigh. Alive but terrified, Liz called 911 on her cell phone as she raced back towards her car. When asked if she knew who did this to her, Liz said yes. Yes, she did. But who would Mm. want to kill Liz Gollier and why? Hang on, Kev. This one's a doozy. Okay. So I know... Before we even get in, I saw the confusion in your eyebrows when I said Council Bluffs, Iowa, because mm-hmm. that is not our hometown or our home state. That's correct. But it is right <laughs> across the border. And a lot of the story does take place like in our neck of the woods in Omaha. So Okay.
0: Okay. That's but, fair. And also full transparency. I did live in Council Bluffs for mm-hmm. a long time mm-hmm. as a kid. And I also lived within walking distance from Big Lake Park.
1: Oh, no way. Is that the Mm -hmm. place you used to ride your bike? I feel like we drive past a place and you're like, I used to ride my bike there. And it's like a big old lake property. Yeah. Yeah. Same Uh, place?
0: Well, no, that's not the place. But that was one place that we would go uh, in the summer times, especially, and go and just like play around and mess around and stuff. And actually, my mom got... Uh, stuck under the bridge going into Big Lake Park one time because there was so much rain pooled up under there oh, no. and it flooded out the car. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I know. That's I scary. remember. <laughs> so I have I have a few memories of Big Lake, and that's one of them is the flooding of the car. So I know exactly where this just took place.
1: Good. Okay. All right. So in 2012, 34 year old Dave Krupa was in a tough season of life. He'd just come out of a 12-year relationship with a woman named Amy Flora, and they had two children together. Still reeling from the breakup, Dave was focusing on rebuilding his life and just sort of getting a grip on singlehood and all of that. Hmm. He worked as a manager and mechanic at Hyatt Tire, located in Omaha, Nebraska, and lived in a small, empty apartment near his work. He'd recently relocated to Omaha from the town across the Nebraska-Iowa border, Council Bluffs, where his ex, Amy, lived with their two children. While they were amicable co-parents, there was a lot wrapped up in the breakup, and so tensions between Dave and Amy were high, and so Dave was left to kind of start over. Hmm. So when he moved into his Omaha apartment, he literally moved in with his clothes and his computer, and that's it. Like, he didn't even Hmm. have, like, plates and bowls and forks. He had— Nothing. Wow. So it was like a full rebuilding of his adult life when he moved. Yeah. It was obviously very challenging, but after a short while, he got into the groove of his new life as a working bachelor and decided that he might be interested in meeting some new people. While he wasn't ready for a full-blown relationship, he was ready to kind of open himself up to casual dating. Mm. And so he made a dating profile on the app, Plenty of Fish. Mm, From the get-go, Dave was very clear with the women that he matched with. He was not looking for anything long-term or serious. He was just looking to meet new women and have a good time. Totally casual. Yeah. Throughout the summer, Dave went on dates with a handful of women, mostly in public places. Whenever he and his dates felt a spark, they'd go on follow-up dates. But really, it kind of seems like Dave was just enjoying getting to know people and like kind of feeling known Mm -hmm. and seen. And it felt like that was kind of like a comfort and a confidence booster. Sure. Dave was young, good-looking, strong, and had a super contagious laugh. And so it was not hard for him to meet and connect with people. Hmm. For the most part, the women that he was dating were all on the same page with him, with, like, very few exceptions and very little drama. So, like, they were all like, oh, you just want casual? Same. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. And things were going all right. Then in October of 2012, thanks to a chance encounter, Dave met a new woman. 37-year-old Carrie Farver had walked into Dave's place of work looking to get a minor repair done on her black Ford Explorer. Immediately after she walked in, Dave was, like, taken aback Hmm. by her. (laughs) She had a natural charisma that he could, like, feel before she even said a word. She was super pretty and tall, and she had hazel eyes that always seemed to be smiling. He was interested in her right away, but wanting to keep things professional, Dave decided not to make a move. But weirdly enough, two weeks later, Dave was scrolling through plenty of fish when he came across a profile belonging to this beautiful woman that he'd helped at work earlier that month. Hmm. It's like, what are the odds of that? Yeah. So he decided to shoot his shot. He messaged her. Hi, I know you. Carrie quickly wrote back and they sparked a friendship. Within a very short time, the two went on their first date at the Oakview Mall Applebee's. Oh, I know that Applebee's. I know. (laughs) I know that Applebee's. (laughs) So they had an absolute blast and they hit it off pretty much right away. Mm-hmm. They shared a similar sense of humor and they spent much of the night kind of going back and forth, mm-hmm. laughing at each other's quips. And it was like, it was just easy. And they felt yeah. very quickly like a familiarity mm-hmm. with each other. Carrie had shared that she lived in Macedonia, Iowa, about 30 miles east of Omaha, in almost an hour from her place of employment, the West Corporation, where she worked as a computer programmer. She was like a genius. She was like a coder and everything. Wow. Interestingly, Dave's apartment was only about a half mile from Carrie's place of employment. She loved her job at West and living in her hometown despite the long commute. She lived with her teenage son, and I'm not going to say any of the children's names in this story just as a disclaimer, but they were very, very close. As the night moved on and the drinks kept flowing, they were trying to figure out the next step of the evening when suddenly the fun got interrupted by a series of calls and texts to Dave's phone. Hmm. And it was clear that there was kind of like a situation going on. Mm -hmm. And so they were both a little annoyed, but Carrie and Dave decided to go together to go deal with the situation back at Dave's apartment. And then they would see how the night would go from there. Hmm. Luckily, Carrie thought the whole thing was kind of funny. Mm, She's like, okay, you've got some drama. Let's just deal with it and move (laughs) on. And it's totally fine. Like, I can roll with that. So this problem of being interrupted persisted throughout the rest of their evening. But Carrie was a good sport, and she just rolled with the punches while Dave squared things away the best that he could. Mm. From there, the two decided to take a little road trip to Carrie's home in Macedonia. And Dave really appreciated, like, how put together that Carrie was. Mm. And she was just, like, on it. She knew what she was doing in life. She was very driven, and she knew how to accomplish her goals. He really admired her for that. Mm -hmm. They sat down and started chatting, and that's when Carrie broke the news to him that she wasn't looking to date anyone super seriously at the moment. Oh, man. Which was perfect (laughs) for Dave. He later went on to say that he felt like he hit the jackpot. Wow. There was this beautiful, smart woman who wanted the exact same thing as him. For the next couple of weeks, Dave and Carrie would see each other when they could. Carrie helped him liven up his apartment and make it more homey, and they were both super thankful that they were on the same page. By November, Carrie was dealing with super long days and nights at work because Mm. there was this project at her job that was, like, requiring extra time. And so Dave who, like I said before, only lived a half of a mile away from Carrie's work, invited her to stay at his place for the week while she was working on the project so she didn't have to commute Mm -hmm. extra early and extra late Yeah, so she could complete her project. Sure. She agreed, like, (laughs) okay, like, sure, that actually would be helpful if I could just park it here Mm -hmm. and make a two-minute drive to work. That would be pretty awesome while I'm trying to give all of my, like, logical, physical, emotional
0: (laughs) efforts to a
1: project. Right. And the good news also was that her parents lived right up the street from her house in Macedonia. And so her son would be able to stay with them Mm. until this crazy, hectic project was all wrapped up. Yeah. So the week was pretty easy. On the morning of Tuesday, November 13th, Dave got ready for work while Carrie was working from her laptop on the couch. He gave her a quick kiss goodbye and told her that he looked forward to spending some more time together later that night, and then he walked out the door shortly before 6.30 a.m. Later that morning, Dave got a weird text from Carrie. She asked him if they could move in together. Hmm. Dave was immediately like, um, no, because (laughs) we've already talked about this, and this is not something that either of us even want. When he told her that via text, she immediately fired back at him, cursing him out and informing him not to contact her again because she hated him and was seeing someone else anyways. Oh, wow. And Dave was like very confused by this, but he was in the middle of his work day. So he just put his phone away and he figured like, okay, I'm just going to deal with this later. Yeah. When he returned home, his apartment was empty, like not a single sign that Carrie had ever been there at all, Hmm. which was very strange. To Dave, Carrie had seemed like this kind of carefree, smart, reasonable person who loved life and was so honest and real. And so this sudden flip was extremely confusing. Yes. Over the next couple of days, Dave didn't hear a word from Carrie. He was disappointed that things ended so abruptly and so strangely. But he had so many other things on his plate that he was able to pretty quickly move forward. Sure. Okay. But things were not what they seemed. Hmm. Out of the blue, Carrie started texting Dave, non-stop, sending him angry texts in rapid succession. Hmm. The messages were angry, degrading, and downright abusive. This progressed into non-stop phone calls from Carrie as well as aggressive emails. One after another, texts and phone calls and emails came in, but Dave refused to answer, hoping that maybe if he would leave it alone, that maybe she would just give up and leave him alone as well. Yeah. But this would not be the case. These angry text message tirades and blasts of phone calls carried over into his work, sometimes so badly that customers calling the store couldn't even get through because Carrie was holding up the phone line. This was a huge deal, like such a huge deal for Dave that he almost got fired over it. Jeez. Mm -hmm. And this went on day after day, week after week and Uh beyond. Like it was nonstop all day and night. After some time of this daily assault on his privacy, Dave was feeling super beat down. And he was actually starting to get a little scared because she started sending him emails saying that she was watching him and would take pictures of his apartment or his car from somewhere in the parking lot. Mm. If he changed his number, she would find it. Oh, jeez! If he'd block her number, she'd get a new phone number and harass him. And the cycle continued on. Every time he'd be contacted by Carrie from a different number, he'd save it in his phone under her name so he could keep track of the situation and maybe put together like a loose timeline in case he would ever need to present this as evidence, like if he ever decided to take it to the police. Right. And he had over eight, I think it was 18 Carrie Farvers, saved oh, in his phone. wow. Yeah. The same was true of the emails. She'd email him from multiple email addresses, and some even had creepy usernames, like Carrie 76 mm. His last name, her first name. Mm. Weird things like that. Eventually, Carrie wasn't satisfied with just harassing Dave, and she actually started harassing other women that Dave had been seeing, sending them the same furious, threatening messages. In particular... You know, of the people who were receiving these messages was Amy Flora, Dave's ex and the Ooh. mother of his children, and then another woman that he had been casually dating for a while named Liz Gollier. Wow. For whatever reason, Carrie targeted them almost as aggressively as she had targeted Dave. During this time, Liz and Dave kind of reconnected over their shared experience of being harassed by Carrie. Mm. Liz told Dave that not only did she get threatening and aggressive texts and emails from Carrie, but that her home had been vandalized in late November.
0: Oh, geez. Yeah. This is getting like real dangerous. And yeah.
1: Very illegal. Very, very illegal. So wow. on the wall inside of her garage that was closed and locked, Liz discovered these words in spray paint, whore from Dave. She had also had a few things stolen from her car and garage, which she reported to the police. Um, I don't know if I wrote that down, but one of the more notable things was checks. Oh, no. Like blank checks with her name on it. Checkbook. It's kind of a big deal. That's a huge deal. So she did report those things to the police. It was obviously Carrie because she wasted no time in emailing Dave to brag about her handiwork in Liz's garage. Hmm. And all of this was so weird because Liz and Dave also only dated for a short time in the summer of 2012. Mm -hmm. And weirdly enough, Liz and Carrie had bumped into each other on one occasion. Mm -hmm. The night that Carrie and Dave went on their first date and went back to Dave's apartment. So when Carrie was leaving that night, Liz had arrived to pick up some of her things that she'd left there. Oh. But even still, this singular interaction, you know, in any world would never result in this like crazy level of harassment. Right. It just didn't make sense because like nobody was really that invested in this, like the relationship. Right. It wasn't that serious. And right. so the fact that it escalated the way that it did so quickly mm-hmm. and so broadly to so many people does not make any logical sense.
0: Right. It, it, it suddenly got serious for her, but it's the question is why? Right. Like it, it went so serious so quickly. Right. And then- And then all of the reactions to that were 100 times what you would expect. Like, I'll tell you, when you said that they both were like, oh, we're not looking for anything serious. And like, well, it sounds like they're going to eventually be looking for something serious. Right. (laughs) And it'll be with each other. Uh, And this went a very different direction than I was expecting. But it did make sense that somebody started feeling more like serious feelings. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah, then it went to a really crazy place, obviously. So I'm curious how how this continues to progress. This is
1: wild. Okay. So Dave really felt bad about this whole situation and for the fact that Carrie was targeting people even like tangentially connected to him. Yeah. Given the fact that Liz had children, he was extra concerned. He could relate to the fear that Carrie's behavior would escalate further and would result in kids being brought into it. It was also scary because neither of them knew how Carrie could have even gotten Liz's or Amy's contact information. Yeah. So they decided to report the harassment to the Omaha Police Department. When they did so, police had their hands pretty tied, but they looked into Carrie's background. Mm -hmm. They found a few things of note, which I'll get into later but really they couldn't do a whole lot about it at this point
0: mm, okay
1: based off of information provided to police by Carrie's mother Carrie had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder and had gone through seasons of not taking her medication in the past mm. and so they assumed that maybe Carrie was you know conducting all of this harassment while in the throes of some kind of mental health crisis yeah and they're like unless we see her and or there's you know more evidence There's just not much we can do about it. So as 2012 came to a close, Dave was on the receiving end of upwards of 60 texts and emails a day from Carrie.
0: Jeez.
1: It was like consuming his every waking moment. Yeah. And I mean, it would be pretty easy to brush off like a singular insulting message or two Mm -hmm. from some unstable stranger. But the texts and emails were getting extremely unsettling. Like, one night, he was relaxing on his couch in his apartment, and Carrie texted him and told him that she could see him watching TV with his feet propped up. Mm. She also managed to give a detailed, accurate description of the clothes that he was wearing. Oh, my god! Very, very creepy. Ugh. He ran outside to see if he could catch her and confront her about all of the stalking and harassment, but he lived in an apartment complex with some pretty dense landscaping Mm -hmm. with lots of trees and bushes, leaving a stalker with plenty of places to hide and lurk outside of someone's window. Jeez. He tried his best to protect his privacy by closing his blinds whenever he was home, but this did little to deter Carrie. Mm -hmm. Even the slightest gap in the blinds was enough for someone unseen to sneak around outside and peek in. He'd get more messages like, you're in your robe. You just got out of the shower. I can see you. Jeez. And even oh, when he gosh. would spend time with Liz. It's a nightmare. It's very. Oh. The idea of being watched is very, very unsettling to yes. me. Yes. So when he would spend time with Liz, they'd be sitting on the couch with the blinds closed, like chatting or watching TV. Mm-hmm. And then they'd both suddenly get bombarded with texts from Carrie yet again. It was just wow. relentless. Once again, Dave was feeling extra concerned about his children.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Whenever he had brought them over to his place, he'd watch them like a hawk, ensuring that they would be safe mm-hmm. from his stalker.
0: Yeah,
1: He'd actually gone around all of the businesses surrounding his apartment complex with a photo of Carrie. He explained the situation to the employees at the businesses and showed them her photo, asking them to be on the alert if she was seen in the area. The fear was obviously justified. Yeah. One time while he was at his ex Amy's house to see the kids, he got an email from Carrie that said, I told you I was coming to see you tonight. You weren't there. I took out a window. Oh, geez. So he raced back to his apartment only to discover that a brick had been thrown through his bedroom window. His car would also be vandalized and his place of work would also be vandalized with extremely serious allegations regarding Mm -hmm. Dave. The vandalism at his work was like big spray painted letters that read Dave beats women on the windows. Goodness. Oh, very serious. Yeah. Very, very serious. So just after midnight on January 6th, 2013, Carrie sent an email to Dave inside was an attachment of a photo of a dark haired woman bound and trapped in the trunk of a vehicle. Her face was turned away, but it vaguely looked like Liz, like enough Mm -hmm. so for Dave's heart to kind of start racing. Oh no. The message sent with the photo said that she'd actually abducted Liz and was holding her hostage. She would let her go, but only if Dave called Liz and dumped her over voicemail. Once the voicemail came in, Liz would play the voicemail for Carrie to hear to make sure he'd actually broken up with her. And then Dave would have to agree to get back together with Carrie. And then Liz would be set free. So when Dave looked at the photo more closely, he noted that it almost looked like a movie still or like a stock photo, Mm -hmm. not like a photo that somebody had taken Oh sure, yeah, from their phone or something like that, or like a digital camera, because that was still a thing at this time. Uh (laughs) He texted Liz to check on her, but she didn't reply. Dave waited all night for the confirmation that Liz was okay and that this was just some kind of like twisted, unfunny prank. And thankfully, the following morning, Liz did reply and let him know that she was okay. So it was just a weird, twisted.
0: Jeez. Yeah. Just trying to.
1: I don't even know what to call that,
0: how to classify that's that. Not, I mean, just it, it was just like she's trying to pull a fast one on him. Mm-hmm. But to do, to what end? It's like, do you really think.
1: Like that that'll win him.
0: Yeah. If you're going to get back together with me, you're right. I should totally do that. That sounds really fun. That sounds like so much fun in this scenario. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Oh, Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah.
1: So, less than a week later, Dave made a bizarre discovery. Parked in the lot of his apartment complex was a black Ford Explorer with Iowa plates. It was covered in snow from a recent storm, but it was unmistakable. Hmm. It was Carrie's vehicle. Oh, man. She had sent him messages that she was moving into his apartment complex, but he didn't take her seriously on that. It was bizarre enough, Mm -hmm. though, for him to report the vehicle to the police— who quickly impounded the vehicle and gave it a quick once-over. Inside of the vehicle was pretty much nothing of relevance. Okay. There was no registration or personal belongings, but they did find an empty mint container and a small stain on the front passenger seat, most likely from a spilled drink. Hmm. Just very unremarkable. Yeah, yeah. So... In order to have their reports more seriously looked into by police, Dave and Liz both turned over their phones so police could download everything Mm -hmm. and could begin to look more deeply into the situation. And they both agreed, like thankful, to finally feel like there might be a light at the end of this very exhausting tunnel. Yeah, This was at least something to keep Carrie on their radar. So when they looked more into her background, it was learned that Carrie Farver had been reported missing by her mother in November of 2012, just days after Dave had last seen her. Digging deeper into Mm. her missing persons file that had been made with the Pottawatomie Sheriff's Office, some extremely concerning information was uncovered. So on November 13th, 2012, the last time that Dave saw Carrie, Mm -hmm. a few oddities came to light. First, Carrie didn't show up for work which was extremely out of character for her. Sure. And it sent alarm bells ringing immediately to her employer. And when they tried to contact her, they couldn't get a hold of her until two days later when Carrie sent a text to her employer abruptly quitting her job, Hmm. informing her employer that she would be taking a job out of state, but that she had a solid recommendation for a person who would make a great replacement for her, which I'm going to wait to tell you who that is. Mm, okay. That same day, Carrie sent a text to her mother, Nancy Rainey, informing her that she'd been offered a job in Kansas City and that she planned on taking it. Nancy thought that this was very strange, considering the fact that Carrie's son was a teenager with friends and activities in Macedonia. Mm-hmm. Carrie also owned her own home that she was very proud of, and all of her family was close by, which is something that was, like, of super high value to Carrie. Mm-hmm. Right off the bat, Nancy had a deeply unsettled feeling. And while Carrie's son did tell Nancy that he'd heard his mom kind of casually mention something about a job in Kansas City, he didn't think that she was seriously looking into it. So he thought, like, that's weird as Mm. well. And also, she hasn't said anything to me about it. So that's very strange. Yeah. Carrie said that she'd be selling her house and everything in it to prepare for the move as well, even going as far as sending a picture of a check that had been written to her from someone who had bought her antique furniture. This was another red flag Hmm. for Nancy. The mismatched antiques throughout Carrie's home were her prized possessions, and many of them had deeply sentimental meanings behind them, and there's literally no way that Carrie would ever want to part with any of them, like not a single piece. Like one of them in particular, one of the items that... Was sold was a dresser that was her great grandmother's.
0: Hmm.
1: It was like an heirloom. Yeah. So her mom's like, I don't like that. Another thing that stuck out to Nancy was a bunch of spelling and grammatical errors. Carrie was meticulously well spoken, even over text. And so it stuck out to Nancy that she seemed to forego that conviction at the exact same time that she was behaving erratically.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Another oddity was the fact that Carrie hadn't called. Carrie and Nancy talked on the phone literally every single day, even though they lived close together. They had a deep bond and a close friendship, and so Nancy was concerned about the fact that she hadn't gotten a call for several right, days.
0: just getting texts.
1: Yeah, and weird texts on top of mm-hmm. that. She knew Carrie was busy and that she was staying with a man in Omaha who lived close to West, but it truly wasn't like her to not call at all. Mm. When Nancy reached out to Carrie asking her to call, telling her that she was worried and just needed to hear her voice, Carrie texted back an angry message, telling Nancy that she was a bad mother and too controlling. Carrie had, like I'd mentioned, suffered from bipolar disorder and had stopped taking her medication in the past because sometimes the side effects made her feel Mm -hmm. really gross. And so Nancy wondered if maybe that was what was going on here. But when a few more days passed without hearing from Carrie, her concern was bubbling over into panic. And so she contacted the police and reported Carrie missing. When wow. an officer named Deputy Carl Reister with the Pottawatomie Sheriff's Department arrived at her home, Nancy gave him a rundown of her concerns about Carrie and showed him the messages. The officer was polite and took notes, but once Nancy brought up Carrie's bipolar disorder, that seemed to be the thing that Deputy Reister latched on to. Mm, okay. And that, unfortunately, is not uncommon yeah. in any way yeah. where it's like, oh, that's got to be it. Like, this diagnosis must be the explanation for everything, which is a bummer. Yeah. He informed Nancy that he'd filed the report, but that he believed that her daughter was fine, but probably experiencing a mental health crisis of some kind. And that since she was an adult, and since it appeared as though she was still in contact with her family, that at this time there was nothing else that they could really do. Yeah. When Mm. December rolled in, Carrie's brother John was set to get married. They were very close, and Carrie was super excited about the wedding. Yeah. She and her son were both in the wedding in different roles as well, but she did not show up on the wedding day.
0: Oh, geez. She'd yes. also
1: missed all of her son's events, which she never missed, and she hadn't reached out to him at all in almost a month at this point, oh. which is super out of
0: character. Okay. Yeah, something different is happening here. This is very strange. Okay.
1: Not only that, but Carrie's dad, Dennis, had been very sick, and she'd regular like regularly stopped by the hospital to visit him,
0: mm.
1: and she hadn't been there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When her dad passed away on December seventh, two 2012, in his home, and Carrie didn't come to the funeral, Nancy was beginning to fear for the worst.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: About a month later, Nancy was contacted about the Ford Explorer found by Dave Krupa. It was actually registered to Nancy, who had reported it stolen at the same time that she had reported Carrie missing. She hadn't seen Carrie or the car. Okay. Yeah. Texts would still occasionally come in from Carrie, but they were marked with the same odd tone as the others since November 13th. Mm -hmm. One day, as Nancy was scrolling Facebook, she came across a new profile under the name Carrie Farver. The profile picture featured a photo of Carrie and her father. As she scrolled through the page, she saw several posts that caught her attention. Mm -hmm. She saw a post mentioning Dave Krupa, the man she knew Carrie had been dating at the time she'd gone missing. But more strikingly was a photo of a hand with an engagement ring announcing that Carrie and Dave had gotten engaged. What? Mm -mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. Weird. When Nancy analyzed the photo, red flags went up right away. The hand in the photo had short, round fingers, while Carrie had very long, thin fingers. So this was not Carrie's hand. Hmm. So not only was her daughter missing, but someone was impersonating her online. Wow. And potentially that person was also the one responsible for all the weird messages.
0: (sighs) Okay. Her son
1: also agreed. When the fake Carrie Farver account messaged him, hey, little man, out of the blue one day, this solidified her son's suspicions as well.
0: Hmm. His
1: mom had not once in his life referred to him as little man. And it made him feel like just, like gross, like icky and unnerved. He didn't immediately respond until he got the idea to ask whoever this person was some questions that he knew that only his mom would have the answers to. Mm -hmm. Like, what is my middle name? What was the name of our first boxer? And who has been my best friend since I've been growing up? Mm -hmm. After that message was sent, Carrie's son never got a message back from that account again. Yeah. So keep in mind that all of this is happening in tandem with the harassment of Dave, Liz, Amy and mm-hmm. other romantic prospects of Dave's yeah like I can just like full disclosure formatting this story was very hard <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah yeah. yeah. So this has
1: been like the challenge of my life to figure <laughs> out how to lay this out so that's just a little a little sidebar
0: well yeah goodness
1: mm-hmm. so Dave has no idea about Nancy's concerns for her daughter and Nancy has no idea that Dave is being tormented just like she is at this time In fact, Nancy would do some digging to figure out if Dave himself had something to do with Carrie's disappearance, only to discover that he'd filed police reports in Omaha claiming that Carrie was harassing him at his home and place of work. Mm -hmm. So it's just a big, hot mess. Wow. In the late summer of 2013, Dave got an extremely disturbing message from Carrie about Liz. The message warned that she wanted to kill Liz for ruining their relationship and for destroying their chance at a future together. On August 17th, 2013, 911 operators received a call around 8 a.m. about a house fire. They raced to the scene and discovered Liz's rental home, where she lived with her two children, had been set on fire. Because the windows were closed, the fire didn't completely destroy the house, Mm -hmm. but it was made completely unlivable. Like everything's burnt, charred, stains on the wall, it's a mess. Thankfully, Liz and her children were at their new home, that they were in the process of moving into at the time.
0: Wow. And so
1: they were all safe, but the same couldn't be said for their four pets. Oh,
0: no. Two
1: dogs, one cat, and one snake were all killed by the fire. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. So Liz had made the 911 call when she had gone to the house to go pick up some stuff and noticed smoke pouring from the door the second that she opened it. Mm -hmm. Inside the home, firemen from Station 60 and Station 61 discovered an empty gas can, empty cans of lighter fluid, and several points of origin for the fire, making this a case of arson and not an accidental fire by any stretch. Wow. Someone had gone into the home and intentionally set it ablaze. Yeah. This escalation marked a new level of fear for Dave, Liz, and everyone close to Dave. Mm -hmm. Now that Carrie, or whoever it was that was impersonating her, had resorted to such extreme violence, what else could this person be capable of? That same day, Liz received an email from Carrie. Quote, "'Nasty whore. Dave doesn't want you talking to him anymore. He wants to be with me. We are trying a new relationship. We have had sex recently.' He loves me and always will. He doesn't want you back, you nasty fat whore Liz. Hope you and your kids burn to death. End quote. Wow. Yeah.
0: That is oh my god. Horrifying. Just like
1: there's (sighs) not a scenario on the planet that I can think of that I would ever type those words, speak those words, think those words about someone. It's so unbelievable.
0: Yeah. And on the receiving end, like you have to, you have to know that that's absolute nonsense, everything Mm -hmm. that's being said. Right. And also, like, if this person is so unhinged to say these kinds of things, they might be unhinged enough to actually, like, do some of them. Right. That's, that's horrifying. Well, now that, yeah, now that the house has
1: been set on fire, especially. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and just as a double side note, Dave doesn't know that Carrie's been reported missing. I know I kind of got into that, mm, but okay. they are completely convinced that it's Carrie. Yeah. Still. Wow. Yeah, they, they have no reason to believe that it's not because right. all of this is coming from her phone number, right. you know. So the threats and harassment continued for years. Yes. How many years? Many, what? many years. Oh. Dave's whole life was consumed by this torment. He moved to Council Bluffs in hopes of keeping some level of privacy. Mm-hmm. He picked up heavy drinking and gained a bunch of weight from stress and alcohol. Mm-hmm. And he bought himself a 9 millimeter pistol in hopes of being able to, like, ensure his safety if the violence escalated again at any point. Mm-hmm. He kept the gun in an unassuming box on a shelf in his closet so that his kids wouldn't accidentally stumble upon it. As the electronic abuse continued in Omaha and Carrie's family continued their search for her in Iowa, police were busy trying to figure out if this was a case of a mentally ill woman trying to cut ties and start a new life, a woman consumed by desire and hatred, or something else. Mm-hmm. They checked cell phone tower pings from Carrie's phone and determined that she was mostly in the same area in Omaha, but they still couldn't locate her. Wow. Wow. Conversations between Carrie and Nancy came sporadically all the while, and Nancy actually ended up being granted guardianship of Carrie's son during this time as well.
0: Hmm.
1: Liz and Dave maintained a casual bond throughout this time. It was more of the same chaos until the next major point in the case. In the spring of 2015, Carrie's missing persons case was assigned to detectives Jim Doty and Ryan Avis. As they continue their search for Carrie, whenever they would make any kind of relevant connections or discoveries, they'd be inundated with texts and calls from Carrie's phone. Hmm. So like they'd show up to Dave's work and interview him. Yeah. And then they'd get a text from they'd Carrie's phone. Yeah. Carrie. Very That's weird. Or emails. Super weird. Wow. One message read, quote, I don't care about this missing person report, but I would really appreciate it if you leave Dave Krupa out of it. I will be leaving the state. My mother overreacted. I have been to my house a few times. End quote. Online, whoever it was that was impersonating Carrie made several more out of character posts on Facebook mm-hmm. and even posted a video on YouTube of Dave from outside of his apartment.
0: Ooh. Yikes. That is real creepy.
1: Giant yikes. Oh. So, this back and forth is just very strange. Mm-hmm. There's this woman who was last seen by the man she was kind of casually dating. Mm -hmm. She abruptly quit her job over text message. She abandoned her home and her child and all of her extended family and many friends. She went on a multi-year harassment campaign and still managed to evade police and anyone who recognized her, despite the fact that cell phone pings placed her in the Omaha area, not far from where she was last seen. So all of it was like, what? None of this makes any sense at all. So in order to be as thorough as possible, Detective Doty investigated... Carrie's disappearance under the assumption that she was deceased. Mm. While Detective Avis would investigate it as though Carrie was alive in hopes of leaving no stone unturned yeah. and figuring out what's actually going on here. Yeah. On December 5th, 2015, Liz was taking a walk at Big Lake Park in Council Bluffs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Big Lake Park is a 163-acre park with rolling hills, dense old trees, lakes, tennis courts, playgrounds, mm-hmm. and a hiking trail. Liz had gone to the park to visit the trail so she could go for a walk and just kind of think and decompress. Yeah. It had been a tough few years being regularly stalked, harassed, and with a possible attempt made on her life. Yeah. Crazy. Even though it was only shortly after 6.30 p.m., it was a dark night and the park was like friendly and welcoming during the day. Mm -hmm. But there's kind of like a menacing feel to it at night. Because of like the old trees and everything. Mm -hmm. Also, I didn't write this down, but in the 70s, there were alien sightings, UFO sightings at Big Lake Park. I didn't know that. Which maybe I'll cover at some point. But like, there's kind of like a little bit of a lore Mm -hmm. in certain Hmm. communities and council bluffs that are like, no way will I go there after dark because that's when the aliens are coming. (laughs) Wow. Which is kind of funny. Yeah. I kind of love it. So as Liz walked, she approached a bench where she planned on sitting for a minute. But before she knew it, someone appeared on the trail with her and asked her the question, so, you like effing Dave? Oh, wow. Before firing several shots at her with a 9 millimeter pistol. Oh. Yes. Liz uh, took off running for her car and called 911 after she discovered she'd been hit in the leg with one of the shots. Mm-hmm. She waited, crouched by her vehicle for help to arrive. Officer Dave Burns with the Council Bluffs Police Department arrived in a few short minutes and began asking Liz questions as they waited for EMTs to arrive. Liz gave her best recollection of the incident, trying to share every detail she could remember in hopes of catching her shooter. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Blood was pouring out of the bullet hole in her upper thigh, and she was in a daze when Officer Burns asked her if she knew who did this. Liz kind of like wobbled her head around before the answer came to her. I do know who did this. It was Amy Flora. Amy Flora shot me. Dave's ex of 12 years, Amy Flora. What? Liz was taken to the hospital where she was treated for her injuries as a whole team of investigators combed through Big Lake Park. But Amy was nowhere to be found. It's like Mm. they brought in helicopters. I mean, this was a very thorough search. No sign of anybody else in the park, let alone Amy. Couldn't find her. After getting a few more answers from Liz, one officer wondered that if Amy was unhinged enough to shoot Liz Gallier, that maybe she was the one behind the impersonation of Carrie Farver, mm-hmm. and that maybe she'd even killed Carrie Farver to keep up the ruse. Hmm. It also got them wondering about the human remains that were recently discovered but yet to be identified. Maybe oh. they were the remains of Carrie Farver. <sighs> to them it made the most sense out of their limited options to pursue. Mm -hmm. In the weeks leading up to the shooting, Dave's gun had gone missing from the box in his closet, and it matched the bullet casings found at the scene. Amy did have a spare key to Dave's apartment, and Amy and Dave split because Amy wanted to get married, and Dave didn't want to commit. And so if anyone would have a vendetta against Dave or would be upset about him moving on, it would probably be Amy Flora. Wow.
0: As oh, investigators
1: man. continued their questioning of Liz at the hospital, more officers went to Amy Flores' home nearby. When they told her that Liz Gallier, who she was familiar with, uh-huh. had been shot, Amy was shocked, hoping that she was okay. They told her, okay, she said you did it, though, just so you know. Mm. Amy denied it. She'd been home with her children all night, and after they took a look around her home, and while it didn't make sense that Amy was the shooter and the stalker, just given the information that they did have, they decided, okay, we need to keep her on our radar at least. But right now there's nothing pointing, you know, pointing us to making an arrest or anything like that. In the days after Liz's attack, she received an email from Amy Flora. The gist of it was that Carrie Farver was obsessed with Dave and wouldn't stop talking about him to Amy. Eventually, Carrie attacked Amy And Amy, in self-defense, stabbed her multiple times in the stomach, killing her. She said she then took the remains and burned them and disposed of them in her garbage can that had long since been taken to the dump. So the likelihood of the remains ever being found were extremely low. As more emails from Amy poured into Liz's inbox, they detailed certain elements of the story that were not released to the media or the public in any way, such as a yin-yang tattoo that Carrie had on her thigh. Things oh, that the public wow. did not know. Yeah, she changed her story of how she murdered and disposed of Carrie Farver multiple times. Sometimes it was the chest. Uh-huh. Most of the time, it was in her car, in uh-huh. Carrie's car. Um, but oh yeah, she gosh. changed it multiple yeah times, which is super
0: weird. This is so strange. But she she's confessing over yes. email. Yes, in order to what? Like. Play off that it wasn't her that tried to kill. Like, like she's trying to like confess to one murder in order to,
1: but then also denying deny, it when police are coming right. to the door and trying to deny
0: an attempted other murder by saying I murdered somebody else. This is very crazy. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. So investigators did a more thorough sweep of Carrie Farber's vehicle. Because the first time around, they didn't know that it was a crime scene. They processed it as like you would process any impounded vehicle. And they discovered what they had initially thought was a drink stain was actually a blood stain.
0: Oh, man.
1: They also found a fingerprint on the empty mint container, but initially could not find a match for it in their database. Mm -hmm. When the blood was sampled and went under DNA analysis, it was determined to belong to Carrie Farver. Wow. Yeah. Oh, man. So, remember how Dave and Liz had allowed police in Omaha to download the contents of their phones? Uh Uh-huh. So, they were able to convince Liz to let them re-download it because they had done a logical download, Uh which is only stuff that still remains on your phone. This time, they wanted to do a physical download. I might have those backwards. Sure. But that would download everything that's ever been on the phone, even if it's been deleted,
0: Hmm.
1: just as a side note. Yeah,
0: yeah. Wow.
1: So Dodie and Avis got their hands on all of it and began to comb through along with an IT expert named Anthony Kaba. They quickly noticed several very disturbing red flags. A week before Carrie Farver was last seen, Liz Gallier had made six phone calls to Carrie's home phone. Hmm. They were all short, like less than 30 seconds, but why on earth would she call Carrie if they'd never met before?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like they, they didn't know each other at all. In Mm. December of 2012, a month after Carrie was last seen, there were several photos in Liz's phone of Carrie's Ford Explorer, a month before Dave Krupa discovered it in the parking lot of his apartment complex. What? Even more incriminating, when they ran the print found in the Explorer, they got a match. Shanna Elizabeth, or Liz, Gollier. What? What? The day before the shooting, Liz had filed a harassment report against Amy Flora, which is interesting timing. Yeah, she's harassing me. She keeps sending me really terrible things because she thinks I'm getting back together with Dave. Uh huh. This is nuts. Oh my gosh! And then she gets shot within like 24 hours. They also discovered that on November 16, 2012, three days after Carrie went missing, her debit card was used at two dollar stores in Omaha. She bought a floral shower curtain, which mm-hmm. will come up again in okay. a little bit. Okay. But since then, it hadn't been used, and there was, like, a decent amount of money in there. Yeah. Interesting. Along with all of that, they discovered that Liz had made several fake Facebook accounts and had tried adding Carrie in the days leading up to her disappearance. And, like, what? once again, didn't write this down. I'm going rogue. But mm-hmm. the profiles were names that Carrie obviously didn't recognize based mm-hmm. off of messages. Sure. And both— accounts, both profiles, had said that they were from Macedonia, but they both misspelled Macedonia in the same way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that's weird.
0: Weird.
1: Yeah. Okay. So Liz also had the app on her phone called Texty, Mm -hmm. which she used in order to send countless emails and texts from fake accounts and numbers, all accounts that she registered as Carrie Farvers. What? Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. So I'm... My brain's getting pulled in like three directions. So we are establishing now that Liz is sending emails and texts as if she's Carrie and then later Amy. Yes. Oh my goodness. That's crazy. She's sending them
1: to herself. To herself. To Dave. Yeah. To Amy. To anybody that Dave got close with. Yeah. It does not make any sense. How on earth did she even get all these ladies' phone numbers? She would literally like threaten people's kids, and and say just the most terrible things. And there was like a a lady who Dave went on a date with for like an hour. Didn't Mm -hmm. go well. That lady got harassed. Like it's just crazy. She harassed so many people. So anyway, gotta keep going. So all of those Mm texty accounts were registered under Carrie Farver's name. Mm She also had a VPN installed to help disguise the IP address so nobody would know that these messages were coming from Liz. She had scheduled out the messages to send to specific people at specific times, which accounts for Liz and Dave receiving messages at the same time when they were together.
0: Oh, what?
1: Factoring all of that in, Kava estimated that Liz spent upwards of 50 hours a week on this ruse. Oh my god! Just with how much, because there was, when I say there were tens of thousands Mm
0: -hmm.
1: of messages and emails in her phone, I am not exaggerating, tens of thousands (sighs) that were all threats and harassment. So all of this is very incriminating, obviously, but it's still all technically circumstantial Mm -hmm. and doesn't necessarily prove that Liz killed Carrie. So they brought Liz in for more questioning on December 14th, 2015, nine days after she was shot. Mm -hmm. They told her that they needed to talk to her about some human remains that they'd found. They told her that they believed that they belonged to Carrie Farver, but were waiting for DNA analysis to be complete. They told her that all they needed was just a little more evidence to support their theory that Amy Flora had killed Carrie. Hmm. and lo and behold within days of this interview detectives would receive several emails from scare quotes amy flora sure once again confessing to killing carrie and to shooting liz gallier basically what they were trying to do here is mm-hmm. at this point they're like okay guilty like yes. you are so guilty yes <laughs> so what they were trying to do is to get her to slip up so yeah. that they could create some more evidence
0: yeah for her to say something in particular that would be a smoking gun mm-hmm. yeah
1: and hmm. to buy themselves some more time because they're I mean the guy uh, Anthony Kava, he spent over three thousand un like off the clock hours oh, on this wow. and like yeah. developed a database software program through some Jeez. coding thing in order to organize this. Guy's a genius, wow, just as yeah. a side note, genius hmm. So they also encouraged Dave and Amy to move back in together first to kind of like ensure their safety,
0: yeah. And, like, if
1: they're all together, then we can keep track of them. Yeah. And they also, in order to, like, keep the children safe, investigators installed a tracker on Liz's vehicle that would send a notification to police if she got within a certain distance of the house. Mm. And they also had another motive. Yeah. If Liz was still stalking everybody, then the idea that Amy and Dave were possibly getting back together while she's also not hearing from Dave. Yeah. Is potential for her to freak out.
0: Yeah. So. So they, they want to make sure that they can keep track of her mm-hmm. for that reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm.
1: And, you know, maybe she'll get sloppy if she goes into some frenzy over being right. angry about them reuniting. Right. And once again, Liz predictably made herself look even more guilty. Hmm. Shortly after learning that Dave and Amy were living together, Liz called Detective Doty wanting to know why Amy hadn't been arrested yet. They told her that they were just trying to collect enough evidence that they could use to build a rock-solid case, which was true, mm-hmm. but obviously not in the way that Liz had suspected. Yeah, yeah. After months and months of combing over evidence, police had come up with a solid estimation of events and how they unfolded. Mm-hmm. So this is their theory. Part of it is fact, part of it's theory. So sure. in the summer of 2012, Dave met Liz on Plenty of Fish. The two were attracted to each other, but they didn't have much in common, nor did they want the same thing. hmm Liz wanted a serious relationship, while Dave just wanted to date casually.
0: Yeah.
1: When Dave attempted to cut things off with Liz, she became obsessed with him, regularly blasting his phone with calls and texts, practically begging him to be in a relationship with her. The night of mm. Dave and Carrie's first date, the texts and calls that were blowing up his phone were from Liz. And when she ran into Carrie outside of Dave's apartment later that night, some twisted evil seed was planted in Liz's mind that she needed to destroy anything and everything that got in the way of her forming a relationship with Dave, starting with Carrie Farver. They believe that sometime on the morning of November 13th, 2012, Liz kidnapped Carrie, murdered her and then disposed of her remains in some undisclosed location and then dedicated her every moment after that to keep up the ruse. As soon as they figured out that Carrie was most likely not involved in any way and was probably deceased, Liz changed gears and shifted the blame onto Amy, filing a false harassment report and then shooting herself in the leg with Dave's stolen gun, assuming that Liz had found a way to sneakily make a copy of his house key Mm -hmm. or something like that, and then blaming the attack on Amy. When they shared this theory with Nancy, she was actually met with a kind of relief that she would finally get some answers about her daughter. Mm -hmm. She willingly handed over her phone to be downloaded, and that's when police made the discovery that the name on that $5,000 check that was Mm -hmm. made out to carry for selling furniture Mm -hmm. was signed by none other than Shanna Gollier. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she went by Liz. She went by her middle name. Yeah, I yeah. feel like you, you gathered yeah, that. Yeah. I figured that out. But yeah. <laughs> at the same time, it was learned that when Carrie quit her job at West, the person that she recommended to be her replacement was also Shanna Gallier. And that within hours of sending a resignation text, uh-huh. Liz showed up and applied for Carrie's job, even though she had no coding or IT experience so she didn't get the job spoiler sure, sure given all of the evidence found on liz's phone they believe they had enough to get a warrant to search her home and to hopefully bring her in for more questioning yeah on february 25th 2016 investigators arrested liz for some traffic violations mm-hmm. just to like bring her in calmly yeah. while a team was sent to her home to search it inside of liz's home were a digital camera and camcorder both belonging to Carrie Farver.
0: Oh, Complete
1: with a video from two days before she went missing, where Carrie lightheartedly joked about some weirdo that had vandalized the explorer spray-painting the hood. Do we know someone else who likes spray Mm, paint? They also found a floral shower curtain matching the one purchased with Carrie's debit card. Mm -hmm. Weirdly enough, Liz was living with a somewhat long-term boyfriend named Garrett at the time of the house fire and was only made to leave his home in 2015 after Garrett grew fed up with Liz bullying him.
0: Like their relationship
1: was not healthy. Yeah. yeah. I'm big surprise. I know it's a big, (laughs) it's a big ball to drop. So Garrett and Liz had been on and off since 2010 and it was not smooth sailing, but he had generously helped her and her kids out on several occasions. He seemed Hmm. like a really nice guy. Yeah. In a shockingly helpful twist, Garrett actually worked in the IT department in Pottawatomie County. And his boss was literally the expert who had been assigned to helping detectives sift through Liz's online activity. Wow. Like crazy. What are the odds of that? So he actually surrendered all of his devices and like his modem and everything that he knew were in the home at the time that Liz lived there. Uh And, like, so that all of it could be analyzed in order to track her online activity that she'd done, you know, while using his Wi-Fi and his devices.
0: Yeah.
1: Which is, like, what's the luck? That is
0: nuts. This whole process
1: took several more months. Yeah. So, with the added complexity of this whole story taking place in two different states, the Omaha Police Department sent in Detective Dave Schneider from the Homicide Unit, who had been briefed on the case, Mm -hmm. to chat with Liz who swore up and down that she had no clue what happened to Carrie and that she definitely had nothing to do with it. Hmm. When they cornered her with evidence, such as photos of Carrie's car found on Liz's phone and things like that, Mm -hmm. Liz flew into a rage, still denying any involvement and then refusing to speak anymore until she had an attorney present. Yeah. But finally, on December 27th, 2016, Shanna Liz Gollier was charged with first-degree murder and second-degree arson. Liz's attorney, James Martin Davis, did his best to defend her, stating that without a body and definitive evidence incriminating Shanna Gollier for Carrie's murder, that their case was still circumstantial at best, Mm. which he was not technically wrong. Yeah. And so they had to keep digging. Wow. Yeah. So to aid in this part, detectives reached back out to Dave Krupa, asking if there was any possibility that Liz had used any of his devices. Mm -hmm. And luckily, yes, she had used his tablet before. So he got the tablet out of storage and gave it to investigators who discovered an SD card in the tablet that had also been installed into Liz's phone at one point. Oh, wow. So bingo. Yeah. So when they got the SD card, it was completely empty. Sure. But thanks to Kava, he was able to recover all of the photos. And what he found was incredibly disturbing. Along with selfie after selfie of Liz and pictures of her kids and things like that, Kava found a photo of a foot. The foot was confirmed to be Carrie's based off of a distinct tattoo,
0: mm-hmm.
1: the Chinese symbol for the word mother. Mm. A forensic specialist determined that the foot in the photo was in a state of decay, meaning that Carrie could be confirmed as deceased. Yeah. There were more images of a tarp spread over an unknown object that looked like a body. Mm-hmm. And they also discovered what looked like skin. And experts could make out a yin-yang tattoo Ooh. kind of under the tarp. Yeah. Yeah. So another tattoo matching Carrie's. Mm -hmm. So now they believe they had what they needed in order to confidently go to trial with a strong chance of conviction. On May 10th, 2017, Liz's trial began. After learning of the mountain of evidence that the prosecution had against Liz, her lawyer opted not to present any evidence. Hmm. It was a bench trial, meaning there was no jury present, Mm -hmm. but Carrie's mother and several of her loved ones were there for every single minute of it wanting to be there to honor Carrie and hopefully to witness justice being served. Yeah. So on the first day, Nancy was not allowed in the courtroom because she was a witness in the trial. And they like tried to schedule her as early as they could yeah. as a witness. Yeah.
0: So she could be in there. Yeah. Yes.
1: That makes sense. So once she had testified, she was there for every second of it. Yeah. The prosecution laid out every bit of evidence. And finally, on May 24th, 2017, after reviewing the evidence, Judge Timothy Burns delivered his verdict. Shanna Elizabeth Gallier was found guilty of the first-degree murder of Carrie Farber and of second-degree arson for setting her own home on fire. Mm-hmm. She was sentenced to life imprisonment for the murder and an additional 18 to 20 years for the arson with both sentences to run consecutively. She attempted to appeal later on, but was denied. Mm -hmm. Carrie's family and friends gathered outside of the courtroom to hug and celebrate that justice was being served as Liz was whisked away to begin her sentence at the Nebraska Correctional Center for Women in York, Nebraska. Mm -hmm. Wow! In the wake of the trial, Carrie's family was forced forward on their path of grief a path that they'd been unable to fully venture down until they were absolutely certain that Carrie was no longer alive. Right. And that her murderer would pay for what she'd done. Yeah. What she'd taken from Carrie and from everyone that loved her. Mm. From what I could find, Carrie's son is either engaged or married and is studying computer programming and coding at a university, following in his mother's footsteps. Wow. Really Dave sweet. and Amy are currently working hard-to-be-friendly co-parents to their children. Mm -hmm. And Dave has stated that any interview that Nancy Rainey does about her daughter's story, that he'll also participate. Wow. He carries immense guilt, believing that he somehow has some level of responsibility in Carrie's death Mm -hmm. when he unknowingly exposed her to the woman who would end up taking her life. But Nancy insists that Dave should put that burden Away, far away from himself, it's not on you. Mm -hmm. And that just like Carrie, Dave was in the wrong place at the wrong time and was a victim himself. Mm. Among the many things that Nancy grieves, she grieves that Carrie's remains have not been located and have not been able to be put to rest. The remains that they had found were not Carrie's. Oh man, Liz's children are bearing the immense weight of their mother's crimes, but are doing well. One lives with an aunt while another lives with their father. Mm. A scholarship has been established in Carrie's honor at her former college, Iowa Western Community College. Mm. And in so many other ways, Carrie is being honored by the many people who love her so much. She's remembered for her huge, joyful personality, her deep love and devotion to her family, especially to her son, and her ability to persevere through struggles. She really was one of a kind, and her life is worth remembering and celebrating. Mm. And so for today's story, I read... The incredible book, A Tangled Web by Leslie Rule, the daughter of legendary crime author Anne Rule. Hmm. And I just got to say, this, out of all of the crime books that I've read for this podcast, I think this one might be at the top of my list of favorites. Wow. Yeah. It's just so, so well done. Wow. So well done. I could not possibly share all of the stories sure. and all of the details about this case that I learned from this book. So I highly recommend that you pick this one up. But with that, that's what I have for you today.
0: Wow. That, yes, that had so many uh, turns and twists to it. At one point, I was convinced Dave was faking the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then it, was, it became impossible to keep considering that. Right. And then I was like, well, Carrie must be alive and doing this whole thing. And then, yeah, then it was Amy. And then like mm-hmm. Liz was never on the table <laughs> in my that mind. That was so, wow.
1: So weird. It's crazy. so weird. Cause I feel like, yeah, this is one of those very, very one of a kind stories. Like we hear internet stories. We've covered internet stories, yeah. you know, that involve yeah. true crime. But this is one of those stories that is just so impossibly strange. Hmm. That, yeah, it's very hard to wrap your mind around. Yeah. Like you kind of start feeling like you figure it out. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, what? Wait, Wait what?
0: what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. that is wild. Mm-hmm. Man. Well, for our listeners, thank you so much for listening to the unusual, unsettling, and unsavory story today. All of them, all of the above. Yeah. This is unusual, unsettling, and, and unsavory 100% mm-hmm. in all three. Mm-hmm. If you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure that you are subscribed on your favorite listening platform and that you've left a five-star review. Those reviews help other people find this podcast. You can also follow us on social media at this one is a Doozy on Instagram and TikTok, and this one's a Doozy podcast on Facebook. You can also connect with us over on Patreon, my love, how and why should they do that?
1: Yeah. So you can follow the link in our Instagram bio or in our Facebook about section, or you can go to patreon.com slash And for $5 a month, you can support what we're doing with our show and kind of mm. help, you know, keep pushing us forward and yeah. being able to create more content. supporters over on Patreon will get access to ad-free content, as well as bonus episodes that are exclusive to Patreon. Mm -hmm. And they will also get access to polls where you can help us decide episode topics, as well as which organization we will be giving to each month.
0: Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, with that, thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week for another doozy.
1: Thank you. Bye.